What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, and joining me every Wednesday, my buddy Connor Rogers from the heart of college football, not really, New York City. <laughs> That's right, dude. It's uh, It was a great time last week being in Joplin. I think it was time to come home, obviously, after a couple of gallons <laughs> of Moscow Mule in, in one evening, but it was really fun, man, and we have so much to talk about because we have an official APCFB top 25 and as we keep alluding to we're gonna do a lot of college football on the show this year some jets teddy bridgewater kind of rumors going around and a couple of quarterbacks in college football finally officially named starters yeah it is it's gonna be a fun show and like you said if people missed the friday show it's worth going over again that we are really we're a year and a half in to stick to football and we've decided you know we want to kind of kick back and reevaluate things and, and one thing that we looking at the podcast landscape was we felt like there wasn't or or weren't a lot of college football, heavy podcasting. And and one cool thing about bleach report is there that, Hey, you guys have fun with this. So we are going to transition to be a little more college football, but it's still going to be an NFL draft show. And and once we get to November, December, this is going to be a draft show, but up until that point, guess what? We're going to be watching a hell of a lot of college football. So we're going to talk about it. And as you see today, we're going to get into this top 25. Mello and I have been breaking down college football on the Friday shows. So my appeal to our listeners, number one, give it a, give it a chance. We're, we're still going to have fun. It's still going to be the crazy show you've gotten used to with a lot of personality, uh, some tangents here and there. Uh, and then secondly, if this if you haven't listened in a while and this is your first show back, I, I think you're going to like the changes that we've made, and I'm excited about the season. So let's jump right into it, buddy. The CFB AP Top 25 comes out, and... You know, I, I scrolled the list this morning. It's like, oh, it's no surprise, no surprise. Alabama's number one. Clemson's number two. Georgia's at three. Wisconsin at four. I, I know if our boy Mello were here, he would be all over this. But number four for Wisconsin to me was a surprise. But maybe it shouldn't be given what they have coming back on the offensive line. Running back Jonathan Taylor. And always a stout defense. I was going to say, you know what you're getting out of Wisconsin year after year. And this year, it's almost elevated. It's like Wisconsin on steroids, but not literally everyone. (laughs) That offensive line has, I believe it's like four All-Americans on it returning. And Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs as a freshman in the entire country last year. It's just a loaded team. Four might be a little rich, I think. I mean... I'm not doubting Ohio State, even with all of the, I I guess, nonsense, just really bad stuff going on there right now. Oklahoma, I mean, it always seems like they're going to dominate in the Big 12. When is Oklahoma going to lose a game? And and I think Kyler Murray is going to make some plays, assuming he starts at quarterback. But, I mean, listen, you have to put somebody at four. And I totally can make the argument that Wisconsin deserved it. It's just really, really close compared to the top three that are just locks. Yeah, they really are. And I, I think Washington's going to be good this year. I, I love Coach Peterson. And, and the offense is going to be able to make some plays happen up there. Uh, rounding it out, I mean, like you said, you got Oklahoma at seven. And there are a lot of divided opinions in the stick-to-football universe about Kyler Murray. And if he's going to be the guy that was so hyped going into to A&M. You know, it was, oh, he's the next Manziel. And it really never happened. And so it, I, I think it is a wait and see if Lincoln Riley can get something out of him. I love Miami at eight because that defense is going to be nasty. Auburn at nine, our guy Jarrett Stidham there and a very good defense. Penn State at number 10, rounding it out. So those are the the highlights from it. Uh, Notre Dame, the team you grew up rooting for at number 12. I think that is ridiculously high. I have no idea 
what people are seeing to think Notre Dame is a top 12 team. Well, you better be a believer in the underclassmen taking the next step. They have talent at wide receiver and tight end. And obviously there's really high expectations for Brandon Wimbush in his second year starting. But I'm with you, Matt. This is a projection rather than an actual ranking. I, I don't see, and I'm going to get to see them. I just got my credentials for uh, Notre Dame, Syracuse at Yankee Stadium in you know November. So it's going to be really interesting to see them from, by that point, I'll be doing all scouting for the draft. But on the college football perspective, this is just, it, they, it feels like a, an overrated team to me. And I can make the same argument in a sense for Michigan being at 14. And I know fans of, and they're going to play each other right away. So we're going to learn a lot about both teams when they play each other. It almost feels like people are getting attached to the brand of the team and the highly recruited players that they have and the highly touted coaches that are both overrated and putting them in the top 15 where I'm not overly confident that either necessarily finish in it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like Michigan is that weird team, right? Where they're Michigan and they have Jim Harbaugh and they have this great defense. I mean, I love their Sean Gary, Devin Bush, Chase Winovich. That defense should be lights out, but can they score? I mean, what? What are what is their offensive identity? When are they going to be able to have this? You hired a guy who, you know, offensive powerhouse at San Diego, at Stanford, with the San Francisco 49ers, and we haven't seen it. So I think we're all kind of holding our breath waiting to see. Speaking of overrated, I'm going to call my own team out. The Texas Longhorns did make the list. They come in at number 23, and here's my hot take. I think that's way too low for Texas. I, I and, actually, yeah, I think so too. And it's kind of like Notre Dame where, okay, you have to believe in the underclassmen, but very similar, actually, in that you love the wide receivers, what they have in big guys like Colin Johnson, John Burt. Uh, they they have playmakers at running back with Trey Watson as, as a transfer. The defense is going to be young up front, uh, but the secondary should be very good. So I, I don't know about – we joke on the Friday show that – Texas is going to win like three games to start the season. And we're all going to be freaking out, screaming about how they're back. And then the schedule gets tough. But to me, 23 seems a little bit low for the Longhorns. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I want to say something. I am actually buying in on the guy that was just named starter, Sam Ellinger. I I like him a lot. And I think last year when he did, because there was some really high points. I mean, there was some games where I was like, whoa. We need this kid on the radar right now for the draft. And he was only what he was. He was 19 last year, right? He didn't even turn 20 years old yet. So he's still 19 years old, big bodied quarterback. I I like the arm talent. I like the athleticism. You know, he went to Westlake, which is they just pump out talent out of that high school like no other. When you look at Ellinger, I think he deserves the chance to develop. And he did flash a lot in his freshman season. On the flip side, as we make our way through some of these guys that are officially named the starting quarterbacks, I want your perspective on this, Matt, because you've seen a lot of this guy as a draft analyst, and I think he's become a little overrated. Shea Patterson named the starter. Is he the savior for this Michigan offense, or is are we just getting fixed on a name? And, man, I was going to bring that up when we were talking about Michigan. It was like, I'm going to save it because I know we're going to talk about this more uh, in-depth individually. I don't know that he's the savior, man, but he is the best quarterback they've had since Jim Harbaugh's yep. been there. My biggest complaint is stop wearing number 20. Like you got <laughs> to get rid of the 20. That is the worst thing. Uh, and I'm not trying to be like that dude from sports illustrated who rips on like, you know, uh, guys wearing numbers. They shouldn't, but a quarterback should not wear number 20. It's a little Just weird. 
We're number two. Drop it off and rock the two Charles Woodson style at Michigan. I do think Shea Patterson gives them an element that they really have not had uh, in Jim Harbaugh's time there. Um, I, I love that it was, oh, he was named the starting quarterback. We knew he was going to be the starting quarterback the minute he transferred from Ole Miss in December. So I, I love what he can do. Um, it, the, I think the biggest thing is coming back from that leg injury that ended his season last year, but he was he was lights out before he got hurt. So many times I'm watching A.J. Brown, the receiver don't miss, and it's like, damn, this quarterback is is really good. So the things I've heard as well, like starting to ask around about Patterson, not just as a college player, but as a, a prospect for the NFL, like his athleticism, his ability to – like make things happen on the run, his football IQ. Those are the things you really like about him. So I hope that we see because of this, the Michigan offense open up and, and finally get back to maybe some of those run pass elements that we saw at Stanford that we saw with the Niners that really haven't taken off yet at Michigan. Yeah, no doubt. And this isn't, I'm not even like intending to rip on Michigan because I think this is a really, really good football team. But my argument of why they might not finish in the top 15 is more schedule related. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they open up with Notre Dame right away. And then, you know, it gets a little easy when you have like Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern Maryland. But then they have a stretch where they play Wisconsin the following week. They play at Michigan State and then they host Penn State two weeks later. And of course, they finish with at Ohio State. That is so, so difficult. It is insane. So we're going to find out a lot about the Harbaugh era here because he's a guy that's been billed as he can win the big game this year. He has the opportunity to show, Hey, I have my quarterback. I have a great defense. I can win the big game. Yeah. And before we move on, I want to just, I want to shout this out because like this almost never happens, right? So a true freshman walk on named Zach Anikstad is going to be the starting quarterback. That's awesome. From Minnesota walk on freshman walk on dude it, this and he was a preferred walk on so people are gonna be like oh well still you know, he still he's so, not a scholarship player nothing. you're guaranteed nothing exactly so i love pj fleck uh the head coach at minnesota that that is a tough program so i am definitely rooting for this guy man just to see <laughs> a, a true freshman walk on is crazy to me i isn't he the first no pressure since baker I was going to say no pressure. The last <laughs> dude who did this won a Heisman. and was the first pick in the draft. So well, come on, Zach, you got to live up to it. One more thing before we close out, obviously going through this top 25, Matt, that I wanted to ask you what team that did not make the top 25. Do you think either got snubbed or you think has a really nice chance to finish in this group? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I, I always go back to teams like K state. You know, who I just think is is always a little solid. bit under the right. Right. And it's not a team where you're like, ah, it's, you know, they have this player, this player, this player. So it's super sexy, but like, they're just, they're always good. And so I look at K-State and when we're doing our top 25 countdowns on the Friday show, I put them in, uh, I believe at like 22 or 23 for the same reason. Like I, I believe that this is a team that is, is always just solid enough to get in there. You know, a, a team that I really like, it's funny, we're going to have on a member of that team today. We haven't even talked about it yet, but Zach Allen from Boston College is going to be joining us. We're really excited to see, you know, probably his final season there and and how he looks as a draft prospect. But looking at his team, I like Boston College this year. I think they're just a victim of being in the ACC because this is a team that's probably going to start out maybe even 7-0 and when you look at their schedule. And then they get Miami and Virginia Tech and Clemson yep. and Florida State all in a row. Now, they only 
they go to Virginia Tech and Florida State. So it's like, okay, at least they're not going to Clemson and Miami. But I think this is a really, really good football team that plays defense and runs the ball. They're just another one, a victim of a schedule, kind of like Michigan is. Yeah, Zach's going to be a lot of fun to talk to. And that going to Virginia Tech is a tough one. And that is a, a, a tough place to play at. But that Boston College offensive line, man, we talk a lot about uh, Wisconsin's O-line being great. Boston College might have the second best offensive line of football in college football. They are so tough up front and, and love watching my guy, A.J. Dillon, run the football. So Boston College is going to be, they're going to be a tough team. You're right that if they can overcome the schedule hump, and I think that Miami's a little overrated at eight. I think Florida State's very overrated at 19. So maybe, maybe BC's the team that can surprise everyone. All right, now it's time to talk about some NFL. We opened up with college football going through the top 25 teams. Now we have to continue counting down the top 25 NFL rookies. This week we are going from 15 down to 11, and both of us are kicking this thing off with some running backs. Number 15 for me, a late entry here. I had to update my list when Darius Geis got hurt, and this guy just climbed the board. Royce Freeman at the Broncos. I think when you look at Royce, This is a combination of, okay, a solid player, not spectacular, but very, very rock solid. The opportunity is there. There's, this is something we talked about, Matt. There's no running back on that roster that I think is better than him. And I think he's going to get, you know, a lot of touches as a rookie. And I think he's going to be a very solid player. So great third round value for the Broncos. Royce Freeman at 15 for me. Yeah, he's going to start a running back, man. It might not be week one, but it's going to happen. I know they have Devontae Booker there, but he's just not been able to stay healthy and get the job done. Royce Freeman, man. And it's funny. You look back now and he's doing so well in the preseason. You're like, wow, where'd this come from? He did it every game at Oregon. Yeah, like, he, he was did. such a good prospect. <laughs> For four <It's> years. Like, <laughs> right. But I, I mean, I, I even know that I got caught up in the, you know, the wear and tear, the injuries, how many carries he had in college. The, you know, was the speed still there? He looks pretty damn good. So having him at 15 is smart on you. At 15, I went with Ronald Jones, who has had a slow start to training camp. I, I don't like to get too caught up in that. And you're going to see that a lot with my list today. I still think Ronald Jones is someone that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to rely on with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback for four games. They're going to have to do something offensively. Uh, and, and I know they have Mike Evans. They have a ton of weapons at receiver. I love that. I think Chris Godwin could break out this year. Same for OJ Howard, but Ronald Jones has the speed, the hands, the vision that if they can just give him a seam, he can make things happen. So I'm still counting on him. And again, this is about rookie impact, year one impact. I still think Ronald Jones could be that guy. Yeah, I I think so, too. I think it's been a really disappointing preseason and training camp for him. But by default, this guy has to get on the field. It's as simple as that. So keeping it with the running backs once again for both of us, I'm going with Nick Chubb at number 14. I was a little concerned after week one of the preseason. I thought he just looked sluggish and there was times in college where that he definitely did week two. He looked like the real Nick Chubb, a little more explosive, powerful leg drive at the second level of the field. And a guy that's going to be a pretty pivotal member of this uh, Cleveland Browns offense an offense that if you're a running back, you're probably licking your chops back there. If you're Carlos Hyde or Nick Chubb or Duke Johnson, because Josh Gordon's back Jarvis Landry's there. David Njoku, those guys can stretch the field and take a little pressure, maybe keep nine out of the box. You know, you don't have nine, ten guys just stacked up, loaded against you every time when you have no threat of throwing the football. So I think Nick Chubb's going to have a very solid year in a, in a pretty loaded committee. committee. Yeah, I said, that's the only reason he didn't make my list, is just because the the guys that you mentioned. I mean, you got Carlos Hyde. Who's and, always hurt. <laughs> right. It, it, tell me about it as a Niners yeah. fan. But I, I love Duke Johnson, but I think Nick Chubb's time will definitely come. At 14, I went with the player who we talked about on the Friday show, Sonny Michelle. 
medicals have been a little bit of a problem. I still think, man, if there's a way this guy gets on the field, he is everything New England has ever wanted in a running back. And and it's funny because for so long, draft fans would tell us the, the Patriots will never draft a running back in the first round. They don't value it. It'll never happen. Curveball. And then they do it. <laughs> then they do it. And like I know Jeremy Hill has looked pretty good in the preseason. I think if Sonny Michelle is healthy, this is his job because he is. And it, it got overplayed throughout the draft process, but he is a poor man's Alvin Kamara. And that's exactly what the Patriots see him being. So as soon as he's ready to roll, I also wouldn't be surprised if Belichick's just keeping him out of the preseason so he's fresh. Um, I, I think he's going to have a tremendous value. And my fantasy football draft is Sunday. I don't care if all my friends are listening to this. I might take Sonny Michonne the last round just because if he ever does get on the field, it's going to be special. Not a bad stash gamble. I'm totally with you on that. All right, 13, we finally get away from these running backs. We did like this class a lot, so no surprise there all over this list. Tremaine Edmonds, number 13 for me. I really like the Bills defense. I don't like much about their offense, although I think Josh Allen's looked pretty good. I just don't think he has any help. I think this is a defense where this guy's going to make an instant impact. He has Sean McDermott there, a very, very good head coach that will set him up for success. And he's so young and there's so much potential, but I think he's actually ready to make an impact now because he can run and cover. He can blitz. He can obviously hold his own in the middle of the field as a run stuffer. So I think when you look at the linebacker position, when you're taking this high, it doesn't matter how old you are, how inexperienced you are, you're expected to make an impact right away. So Tremaine Edmonds had to crack the top 15. I expect a really nice year in Buffalo from him. Yeah, man, I, I do too. I, you know, I loved the kid coming out. I was, he was a top five player for me. So definitely like that one. Now, I'm going with a tight end Hayden Hurst with the Baltimore Ravens. What I've seen him do so far in the preseason has been really encouraging to me. And I know uh, firsthand talking to the people up there, how much they love this kid and how much they expect their tight ends to do this year. Um, I mean, even like you look at what they did, they draft, not only do they draft Hayden Hurst, but they also bring in and and go get uh, Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. Like they believe that the tight end position has to be huge this year. And Hayden Hurst, his athleticism, what he can do working up the seam. And he's a big target in the red zone. Guy was a great athlete coming out of South Carolina. And for this offense to get on track, I think they have to kind of go back to basics. Power run game with Alex Collins and then work in the middle of the field with Hayden Hurst and the tight ends because I don't believe in their receivers at all. Somebody's got to catch the ball. And Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, and John Brown just aren't doing it for me. It's the perfect recipe for Hayden Hurst to be an impact tight end, which is so rare at that position for rookie players. But when you look at Hurst, you just nailed it, Matt. It's the perfect recipe. There's not a ton at receiver. Now, Smokey Brown, if he could stay healthy, can make an impact. He never can stay healthy. I don't trust really no matter who's throwing them the ball to get get it out on the, to the wide receivers, whether it's Flacco, Lamar Jackson has struggled as a passer in preseason. Yep. If you're struggling with that kind of stuff, find a way to get the tight ends going. So I, I like that pick. Number 12 for me, me and you are both going quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Now, I know earlier in this segment, a couple weeks ago, you said, hey, this is impact rookies. Baker might not make the list because he won't start. I'm with you there. I don't think he starts. Some, I have a weird gut feeling this guy is going to find his way onto the field for at least the second half of the season, whether it's if Todd Haley takes over this team and goes to <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and if you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know there's a chance, or if it's just that I like Tyrod Taylor. There is more upside throwing the football down the field in this offense with Baker Mayfield. There's just no way around it. There's no way around it. Is it wise 
to maybe start Tyrod and, you know, hopefully get some wins off the ground? Yes. But I am a firm believer Baker Mayfield will play this season, and I am a firm believer that Baker Mayfield is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Woo! Hot takes. Not not that hot. Yeah. Lukewarm <laughs> Guy takes. went number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a huge surprise. Yeah. Uh, so I also am going quarterback at number 12. I'm going Josh Allen. And this is my boy, and it's re- too early. I regret too- having him off my list. I'll say that. It's too early. Well, we made this list three weeks ago. Yes. You know, a lot shit has changed. It's two man, guys but, in front of him. <laughs> right. Uh, it's too early for anyone to pat themselves on the back about any draft prospect. But what what has been so encouraging for me with Josh Allen is, and we talked about this so much in the, the pre-draft process, was, okay, I really thought that his accuracy issues were caused by overstriding, which means he's stepping his front foot too far before he throws the ball, and it's causing... It, just erratic passing. Right. And I, I haven't talked to Josh about this, but when he declared for the draft, it was okay, man. Like this is a problem. He goes and works with Jordan Palmer. Jordan sees the same thing that, I mean, anyone who scouted him saw and they fixed it. And then we saw it at the senior bowl and you're like, okay, well you can fix it for four days in practice. No big deal. But then we saw him again at the combine. It's like, Oh damn, that footwork still looks really good. And then you saw his pro day and it's, huh? Like I, he might've fixed his footwork. And then training camp, Preseason game one, preseason game two, the footwork seems fixed and he's still making dumb plays. There was the scramble around, chuck the ball thing that he did. And guess what? I saw him do the same shit against Iowa last year. So he has to learn his limitations, but that's what the preseason is for. What he's doing with his legs, picking up third downs, scrambling around. I've seen some Carson Wentz in that man. And I'm not saying he's Carson Wentz, but the arm strength, the athleticism, the, the ability to, to just find the sticks on third down. There's that's a Carson Wentz like trait. And I'm seeing it every time Josh Allen gets on the field without a doubt. We've seen it with four of the first round quarterbacks already with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson with when they can force defenses to sit back, they take advantage of their legs. And that doesn't mean Lamar can blow open a, a huge run, but they're just taking six, seven, eight yards at a time. You force those linebackers, maybe even the safeties, to press up a little bit. You know, those other three have the arm talent and accuracy right now, it looks like, to make them pay. And and what I liked with Allen in his preseason was the the first game he was airing it out. The second game, safe underneath throws with accuracy. And at Wyoming, you know, against Iowa was a good example. Those weren't there. It was drop back, hang in the pocket, climb the pocket, four, five, six seconds and push the ball downfield with an offense that just looked like a mess where it was almost hard to evaluate the guy. And now with the bills they are saying, okay, defenses aren't game planning yet. Defenses are kind of sitting back often in his zone. There's nothing wrong with hitting five yards, six yard curls and he's hitting them. And the most important thing is, is that he put up six points in his second game and it was a nice play. So a good start for Josh Allen, a good start for really all of these rookie quarterbacks. They've really all flashed a bit. So it's been a lot of fun in the preseason so far going to be really interesting when we see some actual defensive game plans probably week three coming right up and then obviously during the regular season for who starts and who doesn't all right number 11 to close this thing out for the week Roquan Smith glad he's finally in camp guy doesn't need the whole month he's that good he's that pro ready he can run and cover he's got speed for days sideline to sideline he's a smart player he's a leader I cannot wait to watch this guy play for the Bears. I think he is exactly what they needed. I think a lot of teams needed a true three-down backer like this. And an- another thing that's kind of under the radar, teams are going for it on fourth down more than ever. 
And yep. that increases the value of having an every down linebacker because those fourth and threes, you need guys that can play the run and you need guys that can cover, especially on the rollouts. And Roquan Smith is a game changer. And that's why this guy went top 10. And I think he's one of my favorites for defensive rookie of the year. Love Roquan Smith. And I, you've had two bears on here uh, before I have, and I've, I've been regretting that I didn't get Anthony Miller on, but now that Roquan Smith is signed, I'm with you, dude. I think he steps right in and takes over that Mike position. And he's going to be really, really good in that Vic Fangio defense. So number 11 for me, Connor Williams. I'm going outside the box here, but we're talking impact rookies. And for the Dallas Cowboys to get back to being a playoff team, they need to rely on the run game. Ezekiel Elliott needs to have 2000 total yards this year running and receiving. And I think he can do it. But the important factor of that was we saw last year, the O-line took a step back. Tyron Smith got hurt and there was a gaping hole at left guard. They draft Connor Williams in the second round to fill that hole. He has been a plug and play starter for them. Looks very good at the position, looks natural at it. His athleticism, I think is going to really open up that zone run game. It's also going to help Dak because you're going to get more rollouts, more play action, I think the offense is going to be a lot more balanced this year. And Connor Williams to me is going to be one of those guys. He's going to be like first team all rookie just because he's coming in starting right away. And his athleticism and football IQ are so perfect for what they're asking him to do. It's going to be, at least in my opinion, a seamless transition. All right, guys, we are honored today to have a great guest. Zach Allen defensive end from Boston college. One of the most dominant players in college football last year. We think he will be this year, and once it's draft time, we're definitely going to be talking about this guy a lot. So, Zach, thanks for joining us, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Zach, one thing we wanted to really kick it off with, the guy that's really dominating preseason already, you were with last year, Harold Landry, obviously playing on the same defensive line as him. What did you take away from playing with him, and what was that experience like? Yeah, I think playing with Harold was awesome. Um, Definitely, I got to learn a lot from him. Um, I think also a lot of my success comes from being able to, you know, follow him and see how he conducted himself, not just, you know, on the field, but off the field. Um, he really, you know, he thought of himself as a, you know, pro- professional football player um, since he came in, and he really handled himself like that. So um, I learned a lot about that and how to control everything and make sacrifices for uh, to be great at football. So he was um, – you know, a great guy to follow. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like you learn a lot from a guy like that, but one thing that you also have the advantage of is you play a pretty dang good offensive line every day in practice. And I think an underrated offensive line, you know, even like we get caught up talking about Wisconsin and sometimes forget Boston college has five really good offensive linemen too. What's it like going up against those guys in practice? And, and what do you learn just from that competition? Yeah, it's a fist fight every day with them. I mean, they're so physical. I think that's the big thing is, go against them in practice, um, you know, you go to the game and it really is, it's, it's, it's a lot easier just because they're, they're so physical and a lot of teams don't run that, you know, that power offense that we do. So they really come off the ball flying. And I think another really valuable thing is that there's like seven, eight guys that, you know, have started and can play games. Um, so they're always, you know, running people in and out. So they're always fresh. So you really, you know, every play you got to, um, be your best or else they're going to make you look silly. And, uh, you know, that helps from a physicality and a um, standpoint and also a conditioning standpoint. So obviously the expectations are going to be pretty high around Boston College this year and really around you. The spotlight is going to be on you. You know, you dominated last year, ranked second among all defensive linemen with 100 tackles. 
What don't our listeners and, and really the NFL scouts know about you yet that they don't see on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, uh, you know, kind of like what I learned from Harold is, you know, I'm just, you know, I stay quiet and I just kind of, you know, I'm a hard worker and I just do what I got to do to be successful and help my teammates win. Um, and I think the big thing, too, that you're going to see this year is, you know, I know the big knock was, uh, you know, all oh, the sacks aren't there and everything like that. But, um, you know, I've taken a lot of, you know, I've worked really hard. I take, take a lot of pride in my pass rush. And I think this year uh, you're going to see, um, you know, hopefully some more production there or at least, uh, you know, um, some more uh, QB hits. I'm going to go off our script of playing questions here. So uh, just a heads up, Connor, I'm, I'm bouncing around. But one thing that I know watching you last year from the perspective, anytime I would try to watch Harold or the, the other draft eligible guys, I would catch myself watching you. And I think what maybe we should tell people is like, you are a bigger defensive end. I mean, you're, you're listed at like 285. Is that something that you think brings like an advantage to your game is that you are able to match up power? I mean, you know, we see pass rushers in the draft every year that are like 240, 245. I mean, you're a grown ass man who's you know built for the NFL. Is that something that you think stands out? Yeah, I think the big thing with that too, with my size, is that uh, if you look at my tape, I've played everything in the past, and even in the run from a a zero, you know, stand up over the center all the way outside to a nine. So that versatility is definitely, um, you know, I think that that helps me. I, you know, pretty I've embraced that and. Uh, um, and I think it also helps with our scheme a little bit so we can mix and match some different looks. Yeah, you kind of you kind of got a head start on something I wanted to ask. What alignment do you prefer to be in? We've seen you obviously at five tech and, and also kicked inside. And you said you'd go far out as even as a wide nine. So is there anywhere you're more comfortable or has there been any growing process playing along so many different alignments at Boston College? I think last year, um, you know, I think the the breakout game that everybody talks about is the Virginia Tech game, and that's really when I started playing, you know, a four right head over the center yep. or uh, head over the uh, the tackle. Um, I feel like in the run that definitely, you know, helped me out a lot. I think that's where, you know, that 100 tackle stat kind of comes in as I was able to, you know, play a little two-gap there. And But in the pass rush, I like getting outside a little bit and, uh, you know, just having a one-on-one with the tackle. And I've definitely this offseason spent a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to, become uh, an elite guy at that yeah and I actually wanted to ask about the 100 tackles because that just doesn't happen right and and it's not one of those like you know Ray Lewis used to get like 150 tackles and he really had 80 the stats were just inflated and you mentioned you had 14 against Virginia Tech I mean you had breakout games how does a defensive end or defensive lineman get 100 tackles in a year I think uh I mean I think moving around with the scheme I mean my coaches definitely um helped me out a lot with that and you know, I had Coach Pascaloni as my D-line coach last year, and uh, you can't really find a, a better D-line coach because, um, I mean, right now he's with the Lions as a D.C. He's, you know, the godfather of all of football, they say, you know. So he definitely, you know, having him there was really helpful. And then also I think it just comes down to a motor, you know, just never stopping on any play, you know, coming from the backside and getting in on the play. So, um, yeah, it's just a combination of those two things helped. But, um you know, even with him gone, um, I learned a lot from him and really thankful for the experience. But having Coach Reed this year as my uh, defensive ends coach, um, you know, so far in camp, it's been fantastic. I'm really excited to see uh, what the season has in store. In high school, obviously, Connecticut Gatorade Player of the Year in 2014 didn't stray too far from home going to Boston College, but also not that close. 
Was being able to get on the field really early important to you? Is that one of the reasons, you know, you ended up at BC? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I was actually committed to Northwestern for from April of my junior year I committed. So, um, but then I realized I want to stay close to home. I think that was the biggest thing for me. So at the end, I was really deciding between BC and Penn State. And um, I just think, you know, what Coach Dazio was building here was just too hard to say no to. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been great. And, and I'm really excited to kind of see it, um, you know, kind of fully grow this season. And, you know, our goal this year is to win an ACC championship. And uh, I think we can do it this year. We got the team and we got the the coaching staff and definitely the culture to do it. Yeah. It's like one big part of this podcast is obviously the NFL draft. And, and I always like to ask guys, usually I don't ask them on a podcast. It's, it's a one-on-ones, but I, I think your answer to this will be really good. But if I'm an area scout coming to BC and, and those guys are already flocking to Boston to check you and your teammates out, but what, what's something that you think your coaches and teammates are going to say about you as a person and an individual? Um, I think honestly, the the big thing is that, you know, I'm just a focused individual who's just, his main goal is to, you know, help the team win and win an ACC championship. I think that was the big thing for me coming back. Um, and that was really genuine. I think a lot of people realize that. And, um, also another thing is, you know, just somebody who works hard and doesn't have any, a lot of distractions at all. You know, I'm, I live a pretty boring life, you know, the uh, old J.J. Watt thing on Hard Knocks, uh, um, you know, and especially having Coach Pascaloni who coached J.J., you know, I took a lot of, you know, traits from that. I live a pretty boring life. You know, I wake up early, one of the first people in the building, um, you know, actually sometimes beat some coaches um, and, you know, go to class. And then after class, I'm back in the building either treating or watching film. And then I go to bed at like 8.30, 9.30. So, um it's it's not an exciting life, but you know I love it, and uh, I really wouldn't change it for anything else. So you guys have a wicked four week stretch where you got Miami coming to you, you're at Virginia Tech, Clemson coming to you, and then you're at Florida State. Do you go into the season with a certain game circled on your calendar, or do they all kind of stack up the same? Honestly, I think the big focus right now is just winning the opener. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, like that's really. Um, yeah, I think in previous years we might have circled games and stuff like that, and then you overlook an opponent and, you know, you get you get embarrassed. But this year I think we're really just trying to take it one game at a time because that's the only way you can. And, um, you know, this UMass team that we have to play September 1st is, you know, a really good team, and they've given a lot of good teams some really tough games the past couple of years, like Tennessee and Mississippi State and Florida. So, um, we're yeah, that's really where all the focus is right now. Um I mean, I just know for me, my mom went to Miami um, undergrad, so you know, there, <laughs> you know, it'd be nice to have bragging rights, you know, forty years from now with my mom. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now, really, it's just you know, focusing on UMass. Nice, I love it, man. So one thing we do with all of our guests, we run them through. We call it the gauntlet. It's kind of five rapid fire questions. Uh, really, the first thing that pops into your mind. So if you're ready, we're gonna kick this off. All right, sounds good. All right, let's do it. Number one, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? I'd probably say flying just because I hate flying with like on planes and stuff because, you know, go through airport security. So I just say it's just a nightmare to fly myself. <laughs> All yeah. right. Number two, what's one game that none of your friends or teammates can beat you at, whether it's Madden, FIFA, an outdoor game or another sport you play? Chess. Nobody can. Really? 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'll take I'll take up that offer. We'll definitely have to have you come to Bleacher Report and see how how good you really are. <laughs> Sounds good. I I mean I I'm pretty good for a guy from Missouri, but I don't know. Well, I, I think the competition out here is decent, so we'll find yeah, out. I had I was a second grade chess champion, so that's I, uh, going yeah. on the scouting report. <laughs> I like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right in my notes right there. All right, man, what's your favorite sports memory, uh, whether, you know, it was you, your game growing up watching or, or even throughout your career, what's your favorite memory so far? I think that a Florida state win was really special. Um, just for, you know, what the red bandana game, uh, means for everybody, um, at BC, um, and then also just for the season, just you know the football team it's, itself, what it, it what it just meant. So I definitely say the Florida State game last year when we beat them, thirty five to three. That's awesome. All right, number four, stranded on a deserted island, you can't bring a girlfriend with you or a family member. Who are you taking with you that you think can help you survive? I'm taking one of our offensive linemen, John Phillips, because I lived with him last year, and he was always buying, like, Cutco knives, and (laughs) he's from upstate New York, so he knows all that survival um, stuff, and also he knows how to use a griddle, so uh, I'm definitely (laughs) picking John Phillips. (laughs) That is a great answer. That's going on his scouting report, too. All right, last one we got for you, man. If you could be any athlete in any sport, who would you be? And this can be all time. I'd say probably Roger Federer. That's a, you know, being sponsored by Rolex is a nice deal. So. That's, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah. Win Wimbledon, yeah. All right, man. That's all we got for you. Definitely appreciate your time. Good luck this season. Uh, we're all rooting for you. And uh, fans of the NFL draft are going to get to know your name really, really soon, we're sure. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zach. Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks again to our buddy, Zach Allen, Boston College defensive end, for coming on the show, talking some chess. Didn't expect that one. That was great. Second grade chess champion. That is like what you start the scouting report resume. With. Right. That's where I'm going. You know, I was true story. I was the fifth grade spelling bee champion. I so. got invited one year and forgot about it. So it looked like I blew off the spelling bee. And like, I, was, good for that I was not like a badass <laughs> fifth grader or whatever. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it was actually a really bad look all around to blow off the spelling bee. But Zach Allen, a guy that. Man, Matt, you and I were talking off off air. Just exci- it seems like I was saying he's a top fifty lock. You were like, man, he he's has really good first round potential. And that interview just showed the guy's all football. And yeah, he's smart player, but he's so strong on the field. It's rare to see him ever lose a snap. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of all football, let's end this sucker with some draft on draft. This is where you guys can send us your questions. We're going to answer them. We got a good group of them today. Uh, one from Instagram, Wyatt Charter 7. Where are all the Khalil Mack trade rumors coming from? Reggie has said that Khalil, Reggie McKenzie has said that Khalil's agent wants to wait out Aaron Donald's deal as a base point. Also, who do you guys think is the best edge in the league? I think Khalil Mack's the best edge in the league. And I think the trade rumors just come from the fact that there hasn't been a lot of movement. And I don't. I don't know why you're waiting for Aaron Donald. They play two different positions. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Offer him 25 a year and shut the door. Like you're done. I think so too. I think there's a lot going on here. One from what I have heard, the Raiders are not taking offers on Khalil Mack right now. Now the problem is if he sticks to his guns here and doesn't show up for week one of the season, you kind of got to take a phone call at some point yeah, because it's becoming a waste for everyone. So it's really interesting there. 
I'm not very confident this deal gets done before this season at all. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I have zero confidence from everything I've heard. There's been no progress. So back to the best edge in the league. I think it is Von Miller. But if I was taking one to build a team with, I would take Khalil Mack because he's three years younger and he he could be on that level very shortly if he ever gets back on the football field. So, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, you know, politics going on with this game where one side is saying, oh, John Gruden hasn't contacted Khalil Mack. And then the other side saying, oh, Khalil Mack hasn't answered him. At the end of the day, get a deal done and get one of the best defensive players on the field. Just get it done. I will say before we move on, I mean, I was hearing back in April that this was a possibility that they would trade him. I mean, there were, I even, I've said before, I've floated out before, you know, like crazy, like, Hey, what, what would Andrew Luck go for? And when I've mentioned Aaron Donald, you know, it was, I, I told the story a couple weeks back. It was like, Oh, you kind of worry about, you know, he's a little bit older. And with Khalil Mack, it was like, that one could actually happen. So there is a, a precedent for it. Um, I, I just, I think it's worth watching to see what, where the line gets crossed. But it is is fascinating that one of the 10 best players in the NFL might not be on the field. So it, it's worth watching for sure. Next one from our buddy, Ant the Oreo outside of Hugh Jackson, what players slash co- slash coaches do you think could be on the hot seat this season? John Harbaugh in Baltimore hasn't done much since their Super Bowl victory. Maybe a dark horse candidate, man. I, I mean, I, I think Dirk Cutter is in trouble. Oh yeah. That I think that's already Done. Gonna happen. He's Here's done. mine. Uh, mine would be Mike Tomlin. Wow. I think at some point, like you got to get over the hump, and like this team is has been really good for a long time, and maybe that's good enough. But I think at some point you got to be like, okay, what do we have to do other than kill Tom Brady to get a Super Bowl? And I don't know if Tomlin's the guy who can get them back to that, or. I don't know if he's the guy that you rebuild a team with, which is what they'll have to do. That was my biggest question for you. Do you rebuild with Mike Tomlin? Now he's not old. (laughs) He's super young. No, he's not. But are you saying his message stale? Like we hear it all the time with Pete Carroll in Seattle. Like, ah, it's, we've heard it. We've heard all his stories, all the rah-rah bullshit. We've heard all his conspiracy theories. It wears out. I think with Mike Tomlin, you start to get into that rut. And I don't know how Bill Belichick has managed to not, go through that. Maybe it's because he turns his roster over so fast, but uh, I, I think Mike Tomlin, if you want a dark horse, that's about as dark horse as you can get. Yeah. And I think it, when you're starting your, uh, your head coach candidate list for next year, I think you put Lincoln Riley near the top. That's what I think. If he's good, I hope so. Cause I want him out of Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I think he's pretty damn good, but it'll be, and everybody wants a young offensive mind and that's what yeah. he's been billed as. So I'm fascinated to see how the how the coaching turnover turns out this year. Cause like what do and this is selfish of me to bring this up, but like what happens with Todd Bowles? Like he has a rookie quarterback almost as a built in excuse if the Jets suck again. But at the same time, do you want to trust Todd Bowles with your rookie quarterback after they sucked again? I don't know. It's just there's a lot of names across the league that could that could be moved on from. So yeah. all right. Love this one. The Alaskan Assassin. That's terrifying. Great name. Is Easton Stick the best quarterback prospect in this year's upcoming draft? Also, does Jaywan pa- oh Jaywan pass it? That's it. God, the spelling always trips me up with that. Yeah, make Louisville a dark horse in the ACC. I, we just talked about the ACC is so tough. I don't, I don't think Louisville's a bad team. I just don't think anybody's. It's going to be hard for a Louisville to compete in the ACC. Yeah. Like Jaywan pass is a big dude. Yeah, I, and this is one of those. Like, does he is he enough though? Is is the point? 
Dude, right. you have so many talented. See, we just went through them all throughout the show. Uh, so no, but back to the Easton Stick point. I, I like Easton Stick. I'm not comfortable with saying he's the best quarterback prospect in this year's draft. Is he maybe in the top five? Yeah, he probably is. He's probably four, yeah. four or five. Uh, maybe, I, maybe. I want to see more of him. Like I really like. I mean, and I know it's like more than the dude's senior has been playing for three and a half years, but I, I just want to w- actually break him down instead of just like I've watched him play. Yep. So I really like him. I mean, I think we were the first people banging the drum for him as a legit prospect, but I am not ready to call him the best when guys like Jarrett Stidham and Justin Herbert, even if you, I mean, if you're in the Drew Locke camp, like those guys, I, I, I'm just a little more comfortable with. And one more thing on Jawan Pass. I just want to say this because this fucking drives me crazy right <laughs> you already sound irritated he's thrown 33 passes in college it's like it's hard can you guys and i i can't remember because thursday night got weird i can't remember if i railed against this on the podcast or off it but can we stop talking about guys like you know Dwayne haskins and juan pass let's can we let them play a little bit um and again i don't know if I think the ACC is way too good for Louisville to compete. You just had one of the greatest players in college football history at quarterback for two years and couldn't get it done. So I don't, I don't think a, a red shirt freshman who's thrown 33 passes is going to be that dude. Yeah. It's really tough. I mean, like you said, great size. He was a four star coming out. He wasn't like a top five quarterback in that group, but you know, there was expectations there. Let's see him play. Cause we yeah. haven't gotten any chance to see him play. Uh, you know, interesting little fact, though, about him. His brother is also on Louisville as a safety. So the oh, pa- that, the past nice. family, not bad uh, athletic genes there. There's Man. some talent there. God, good for them. But there's probably some proud parents. All right. This one from J underscore Tuzio. What's one aspect about college football that you like more than the NFL? I personally love college game day traveling to different schools and towns compared to NFL pregame shows. It's a good point. I love college uh, game day, too. Same. And I think college game day does really help make college football. Great. My answer is going to be super corny, but I honestly believe this. Like there's a difference between the, and in college, you're playing for a scholarship. You're playing for, you know, the, the chance to play in the NFL. But I also think there's just a little more like passion. There's more of a, a, the tradition and the love of the game pride. The NFL is a job. Like you're going to work and you might, I love my job, but I'm still going to work. And those guys, it's the same way. I mean, you're, it, college football is just a little different in terms of, like you said, it's pride. It's, it, it's, you know, you're playing for a little bit more of a hope in the NFL. Like guys are playing for a check. And I, to me that that's different. I would rather watch college football than NFL every day of the week. And I know the NFL products better. Like even, I mean, the Browns and whomever the Browns and Bengals could play and and I'm going to watch it because the product is great. Like those players are at the the top of their profession. In college football, the, the product is not as good, but to me, like the, the passion and the love of the game is so much bigger. Yeah, I think something too is that in college, obviously, younger players are more mistake prone and it makes anything possible, like any upset possible when you're that mistake prone, which makes it so fun, the unpredictability of it. So it, there's a lot to love about the college game. I, I look at them so differently. Like Same. I know it's all football, but to me, it's not. It's just. They're so, so different. So it's there's things to love about both. All right. This one from Dean Spencer. Hashtag draft on draft. Remember, that's how you get them in. Just finished watching QB1 behind the lights and became a Jake Fromm fan. I am too. I know it's way too early, but he seems to just have it. 
How did his skills translate to the NFL? Okay, I saw this question on Twitter and wanted to answer it and had to like slap my hand and make myself stop. So here's the deal about Jake Fromm. I have talked to, I bet, six high-level NFL people, GMs, player personnel guys. They are already talking about passing up on quarterbacks this year to get him for Jake Fromm. Yep. It's already a thought process of, you know, you're, you're constantly looking down the road. Jake Fromm is getting talked about in that Andrew Luck type light. And people have maybe kind of forgotten the whole Jared Goff pre-draft bullshit. But in, and also in a Jared Goff light where you were talking about him the year before he was draft eligible as, man, this guy's going to be really good. Maybe we just wait for him. And that is incredibly rare. But Jake Fromm, I mean, he'll enter the 2020 Draft class is my number one player and is my number one quarterback. I, it, Based on what we saw last year, all he has to do is keep doing that. I mean, listen, I'm right there with you. And I know they have Justin Fields there, who is the number one overall quarterback recruit in the country and supremely talented. He's Jake Fromm is the starting quarterback at Georgia because he's a stud. He's extremely smart. He's already won games. He's accurate. I think when you look at it, And it is a great question because you and I always temper expectations and we're going to get away from this actually, as we watch more or cover more college, we usually say, Hey, if a guy's not eligible, it's hard for us to focus on him. Now that we're covering the college landscape, there will be players where it's much easier. You can't miss Jake from he's like, I'm way more excited about him than any other quarterback in this class because he, I think he's just already shown that he's way better than the 2019 quarterbacks. Where 2020 will come and we'll be like, shit, this is going to be fun as hell. And I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a championship under his belt. It's going to be funny when it's from an East and as QB one and two for 2020. That would be incredible. And then Justin Fields is taking next over year. for Georgia. <laughs> and yeah, is the number one pick 2021. Yeah, I mean, like from amazing. is just like, and I, that's always been my rule. I don't watch underclassmen. Obviously, with us doing more college football, like Connor said, that's going to change. But Jake Fromm's just easy to scout, miss him. right? It's not like uh, Baker Mayfield where you really had to like watch the tape to try to uncover, okay, is this going to work? Is this going to translate? Are the myths that I've heard true? I mean, scouting Baker was work. Jake Fromm's just like full-time done, job. Done, yeah. And and maybe, maybe Fromm has a Josh, Josh Rosen-like situation where he peaked early and he just kind of coasts to the end of his career. Rosen was still the number 10 pick in the draft. So I would say it still kind of worked out, but I, I think Jake Fromm is a special, special dude. And, and, and Dean mentioned the the QB one behind the lights. It's a Netflix series. Definitely worth watching. If you have some time, uh, last question of the week for my buddy, Roma Thomas off, always killing it. Great questions. Who would you rather build a team around at the college and pro level? JK Dobbins running back from Ohio state yep. or cam acres, the running back from Florida state. Cam, I'm going to take cam acres Cam yeah. Akers all day. I think he's, he might be one of the better running back prospects we've seen over the last decade when all is said and done. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, he's Saquon or Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott, but this guy is a legit potential round one running back. Already. And we haven't even seen him like carry the load. No, because, because they've I mean, had players there. <laughs> they've had players. So I think this year, man, he's going to be, he would be on my Heisman short list without a doubt. Um, he's that good of a player. So, uh, and, and I like J.K. Dobbins. 
And for the pro game, um, you know, I, if I'm remembering right, he's a little little short for my style. Um, he's kind of that you know bowling ball Maurice Jones Drew build. Um, and I, I just I love Cam Akers game. Not to take anything away from J.K. Dobbins, but man, Cam Akers is the truth for sure. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, that class, man. Like we're gonna see Najee Harris this year. Uh, oh, and somebody, I'm really sorry, I forget who it was. Somebody was like, Connor, you forgot uh, DeAndre Swift. And, oh, I love oh, him in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Dylan. I can never say his last name. Begins with a T. It, one of our most loyal listeners, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right." I answered him right away. I was like, "I completely did." That's how loaded the class is. You have Swift. It's just like insane. That many special running backs in that group, and they're all going to the NFL. It's safe to say yeah. on that. No hedging there. It's as simple as that. So, yep, exactly. And they're gonna go early. So get it out of your system. The running backs don't draft a running back early. Get it out of your don't system. Pay one it's going to happen. Don't pay one. Definitely don't do that. So, all right. That's our show. A lot of fun for me and you. This is our first stick to football Wednesday where we really went headstrong onto college football. And it's going to be a fun year. If you didn't catch the announcement on Friday, we're, I, I believe it's official. We're going to three shows a week starting September. Uh, and Melo and I are going to be at games tailgating, getting out with fans. You're going to be at games scouting, getting a read on these players, making connections. It's going to be so much fun this year, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a whirlwind, man. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, stick to football starting in September. And one thing, too, just to reiterate here, you know, we as we transition to a lot of college, and of course, this is an NFL draft podcast. Still feel free to send in your NFL questions for draft on draft draft on draft is a wide open floor. You can ask whatever I was about to say life advice, and that is not what I meant at all. You, no, can, you can do that. too. <laughs> you can ask whatever you want on draft on draft, especially as the NFL season kicks off. And uh, we have a lot of fun playing for you guys because Matt camp is going to come in and do a fantasy special again with us, which will yep. be awesome. I'm trying to get Matt in town for that. So it might be on the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's not hard to find. Stick to football on YouTube. Stick to football on Instagram. Stick to football on Twitter. Matt, what do you guys got planned for Friday? Uh, Friday show, we're going to continue that our top 25 countdown now that the AP beat us to it. I think we're even going to start to preview our Heisman list. And this is just us shamelessly trying to get Heisman votes, but... Uh, we might do a Heisman list every week just until they give me a damn vote. So it, it's going to be fun. The Friday show is is going to be just college football on top of college football on top of college football. So it's going to be it's going to be a blast. Hopefully we'll have some quarterback battles to break down. But college football starts this week. I don't know if you know that college football starts this week. The games aren't great, but we're going to have There's some college football to talk about Saturday morning. I'm already, Wyoming and New Mexico State. I'll be watching that Saturday night. Guaranteed, I'll be in my fucking basement drinking beer, watching college football, and I am so excited about it. So we, we maybe we'll just get wild and preview like Hawaii at Colorado State because I can't contain my excitement any longer. I'm ready to go, man. And, and all these schools always have there's I could always find a prospect to watch. Oh, yeah. Always. It's as simple as that. But all that matters is football is back. All right, that is our show. Make sure you hop on, like Connor said. Hit us on all the social media channels. Get the BR app. Just go get it. You can subscribe to Stick to Football there. Or if you want, Apple Podcast is a great way to make sure you never miss a show. That's it for today. We will talk to you guys Friday morning. Friday morning.